While we've been thinking about this um, theme of being fruitful, there's a, a verse which has come to my mind again and again. You may have heard me speak of it a couple of times. It's the words of Joseph in Genesis. Did you get that, that question, by the way, in the quiz about Joseph? Did you get that right? It's 11, okay? You've got 12, including Joseph. Anyway, Joseph said this. He said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And that keeps on coming back to me. And he actually uses it when he's explaining why he's named his second son. He names his second son Ephraim. And Ephraim means twice fruitful or double fruitfulness. That's great, isn't it? Double fruitfulness. And he says, this is why I'm calling him Ephraim. God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So a question has kept coming back to me. What enabled Joseph to be fruitful in a place of suffering, in a place of um, being thrown down a pit, being in a prison, in a place of suffering and uncertainty. What enabled him to be fruitful? And what can we learn from him about how we can be fruitful in our land of suffering? We've heard the news that there's going to be another four weeks of lockdown. And for many people, that will be, they'll be sick in heart about that. Many of you watching, you'll be sick in heart about that. How can we learn to be fruitful in the land of lockdown? How can we learn to be fruitful in what is a very uncertain time where we are isolated, confined, sometimes separated from loved ones and some even have suffered the loss of loved ones? Can we be fruitful in such a place? I believe we can and we can learn from Joseph. And there are many, many things you can learn from the life of Joseph. In fact, in Family Hub this week, I'm going to encourage people to uh, look at, again, the life of Joseph. But so, for example, I remember at the end of his life, at the end of his story, or at the end of the story, uh, his father Jacob prophesies and blesses him and refers to him as a fruitful vine. He says, Joseph is a fruitful vine who sends down his roots to the springs uh, and whose branches climb over a wall. You see, one of the things that we learn is that whatever the outward circumstances, Joseph had a hidden inner life with God. He sent down his roots into the life of the Spirit. And that's what enabled him to be fruitful. Even in that enclosed, confined space where he felt walled in, his branches grew over the wall. He was able to be fruitful beyond the wall. And we can be fruitful even beyond the lockdown situation that we're in. And so there are many things in the life of Joseph. But today I want to focus on a particular passage where we learn something and I want us to look at Genesis chapter 40, just the first eight chapters of Genesis chapter 40. I'm sure most of us know the story of Joseph. We've either read it in the Bible or we've seen the musical, but we, we know the story and the film, yeah. so we know. It's, it's great having a live congregation again. It's wonderful. Keep it coming. Say hallelujah. Say amen from time to time. Great. Hallelujah. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Did you hear all that? Anyway, uh, where was I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you all know the story of Joseph. You know, he had this great dream of being great and God using him greatly. He didn't share it in the wisest of ways, a bit naive and arrogant in the way that he shared it, but, and his brothers didn't take kindly to it. So they beat him up and threw him down a pit. Nice. Um, and then they took him out of the pit, but sold him into slavery. He ended up in Egypt. And, but even then, the favor of God was upon him because his master, Potiphar, raised him up to a place of high position in his house. But then, when it looked like things were getting up, going upwards, 
uh, Potiphar's wife accused him of sexual assault, and so he was thrown into prison again. And it's there where we're going to join him, because even in prison, the captain of the guard of the prison recognized something in Joseph and, and, and put him in a place of service and leadership, overseeing other prisoners. So we're going to join it there, and we are going to uh, read from chapter 40, and I'm going to draw out a couple of things. Before I do that, let's just say something about dreaming and dreams. I'm going to stretch the meaning. I know Joseph had a specific dream, but I'm going to stretch the meaning. We all have a hope and a desire and a dream to be used of God, to do something with our life, something that counts, to make a difference. All of us have that. Now, we have to be very careful. God has his ways of refining and purifying the dream and of purifying us in the process. In fact, in Psalm 100. And five, I hope I can remember it, it said something like this, yes, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So when we have a dream, the dream will be refined by God, but also we will be refined and tested in the process of the fulfilling of that dream. And one of the things we have to learn is the dream must never become bigger than God. The dream must never become an idol. But when we put God first, we actually will discover, I think we'll find ourselves in the middle of our dream without even realizing it. <clears throat> and it'll be like we'll find ourselves where we fit in as one plant in God's big garden. Because the big garden is God's dream. And we'll find where we fit in to God's dream when we put him first and don't allow the dream to become bigger than him in our lives. So, Genesis chapter 40. I think a significant thing that happened for Joseph, which made him fruitful in the land of his suffering, was that the attention went from the dream and onto others. Let me show you. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. He attended them. That just basically meant he served them. So Joseph, the one who'd had this great dream of greatness, is now assigned to serve others, even those who were his enemy in some ways. He was learning a principle of the kingdom, of course. If we are going to be great in God's kingdom, we have to learn to be the servants of all. Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom, he's the king of the kingdom. He said this of himself, the son of man comes not to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life for others. So how many of you, I know the answer I'm going to get from the folks in this room. How many of you love it when Jesus is among us? when we really feel his presence with us. I know you can feel his presence in your home right now. It's great when Jesus is among us. The king is among us. Well, when you're thinking of that, just remember Jesus said these words. I am among you as one who serves. I am among you as one who serves. So that tells me that if we want to draw close to him, if we want to enjoy his presence, get intimate with him, we're going to get caught up with doing what he's doing, which is serving. 
If you want to get close to Jesus, get involved in serving with him. Can you imagine going around with a friend who's busy doing all kinds of service, helping the poor, you know, encouraging those in need, and you just walk around with them and don't get involved? Of course not. He's among us as one who serves, and if we're going to be intimate with him, then we will get caught up in serving too. The whole posture of our life should be towards serving. In fact, it's one of the values of our church, being servants. But I want to just ask you a question right now. As well as it being the posture of your life and your heart, who is God assigning you to serve right now? Who is the cup bearer and the baker for you right now? It could be a family member. It could be somebody in your street, in your workplace. It could be a person who feels like your enemy at the moment. Just pause a moment and say, who is God assigning you to serve? Because the first thing we learn from Joseph about being fruitful in the land of suffering, number one, we have to serve others. Let's carry on reading. It goes on to say, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king in Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Why are your faces so sad he noticed them. He saw them. The second thing we learn from Joseph is to see others. We not only serve others, but we see others. We notice people. You know, it's easy to overlook others, isn't it? It's easy to be so busy doing what we feel we ought to be doing that we don't notice other people. Joseph noticed these guys who were serving were dejected. They were sad. There's a verse in Galatians where Paul is talking to the Galatians and he says, he says to them, you know God. And then he corrects himself and he says, or rather you are known by God. It's a beautiful verse because to know God, is not, it's not just us knowing God, it's being known by God. It's knowing that God sees us. God hears us. God notices us and he knows us. There's nothing worse, is there? It's sometimes in feeling overlooked, in feeling that we don't count, that we've got nothing to offer. Nobody notices us. I want to be part of a church family where we notice one another, where we see one another. I want us to have a culture. I believe we have to some measure, but I want to grow and increase, don't you? To, to where we, we see others. We see those who are dejected and sad. We see those who are celebrating and we celebrate with them, but we see others. I'm not talking about being part of our narcissist age where it say, hey, look at me, look at me. I want all the attention. I'm not talking about that. We can't demand attention, but we all of us crave to be noticed, to feel that we count, to feel that we have something to contribute. And I think Joseph didn't just serve others, he saw others. I did a little study in Bible Gateway where put the words Jesus saw and in the number of times it says Jesus saw, Jesus saw Zacchaeus of a tree, Jesus saw Peter's mother-in-law was sick and so he prayed for her and healed her. Jesus saw people. I want to be part of a fat church family where we notice one another and where we're at, we see one another. And I want to encourage you to walk through this world attentive to others. 
see others. Let's just quickly read on then. One of the other disadvantages, by the way, of me doing it live rather than recording, I can't really see how long I'm taking. But anyway, I'm nearly finished, I promise you. So I don't know how I'm doing for time. Um, <clears throat> sure, somebody might tell me in a minute. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we both had dreams, he said, and the, but there's no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Now let me just stop there a minute. Do not interpretations belong to God? Let me stretch the meaning of the word dream. So I know that these guys both had specific dreams and it didn't turn out very well for the baker, as we know. But I want to stretch the idea of dream to being just our dream of being used by God for something great. Um, and I want to stretch the meaning of the word interpretation so it means working out what that dream looks like in practice. And Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God. Friends, let me encourage you, whatever dream you're carrying in your heart, let God work out what the interpretation looks like. Let him work out the application. Don't try to work it out yourself. It'll go terribly wrong. When we try to work out our own dreams, we end up in a wasteland. Um, you know, you might believe, God's called me to be a great leader in business, and that means, therefore, I'm going to be the chief executive of this business I'm working for right now. Well, it might, but it might not. God might take you on another journey. And what if you had to sacrifice your integrity to get to that position? No, let God work out. Let God interpret the dream. But then Joseph says something else. I want us to hear this. He says, tell me your dreams. Tell me your dreams. The guy has stopped now focusing on his dream. And now he's turning to other people and saying, tell me your dreams. I want to suggest you as well as serving others and seeing others. The third thing, we need to seek to draw out the dreams of others. Sometimes it might be saying just recognizing a gift that somebody has and encouraging them in that. Sometimes it might be literally saying, tell me your dreams. Whatever it is, let's seek to draw out one another's dreams. It's ironic me talking about dreams really because there's part of me which thinks as, a ch as the church generally, we've made too much of, oh, I'm going to pursue my dream. Maybe, you know what, it isn't so much about pursuing our dream, but it's about preferring others before ourselves. I've sometimes wondered whether we should focus quite so much on dreams. In fact, I've actually want to preach a message at some point called Church, where your dreams come to die. <laughs> should we put that on the website, see how that goes down? But uh, dreams, what do I mean by that? You see, with God, our dreams have to die before they can be resurrected to what he wants them to. And the thing about that is this. Jesus said these words. He said, if, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. It remains single. But if it dies, it produces many. You can tell that something has died when your focus is not on just on the single, but it's on the many. It's a terrible thing when we're so focused on our dream, we're like just a little plant pot on its own trying to be fruitful. Let's be those, rather, who walk through the garden of God, looking at all the other plants and saying, tell me your dream, bringing out the fruitfulness from other people. So let's be those who seek to draw out the dreams of others. Three principles, folks, if we're going to be fruitful in the land of our suffering, in these challenging times, we take the focus off ourselves and onto others. We serve others. We see others. And we seek to draw out 
the dreams of others. Now, I know that Trevor and Sonia are going to pray in a moment, so I won't pray now. Um, Marcus and Wendy are going to lead us in worship again. I will just say this. Folks, be blessed. Be fruitful, even in these difficult times. Amen.